New Pod World Order. Hey there, boys and girls. It's Ralph Garman, and you're listening to Talking Cod Swallop. Good choice. Hey, I'm Alicia Witt. I'm Daniel Portman from Game of Thrones. I play Podrick Payne. I'm Ellipses, and you're listening to the Talking... Okay, <laughs> I'm Mark Bernard, and you're listening to the Talking Cod Swallop podcast on the New Pod World Order Network. Hey, man, it's Kevin Smith, Silent Bob, whose voice you were never used to hearing in the 90s until I started opening it up, man. And that's because I'm a podcaster, and you're listening to a podcast, Talking Cod Swallop, right here, man. Welcome to Talking Codswallop. This week, I'm here. Actually, I have a co-host this week, so thank you very much. This is my buddy, Squee. Hello, Squee. Thank you very much for having me on. A co-host, I feel all important and shizzle. Yeah. (laughs) Well, there you go. You are important. Yes, thank you. And the reason why you're co-hosting with me today is because we have a special guest who will be here in a couple of minutes, and that is Chris Downey, who is the... Uh, I think he was director. I believe writer, director, producer, you know, fluffer. I, I think he had a lot of jobs on the film. Yeah. Um, so, yes, he, he's a master of all, then, in that case, of uh, shooting clerks. So quite excited to actually get to speak to him again. I say again because we tried this once before and uh, unfortunately, due to technical issues, we did not have a very successful time, did we? Uh, not the most successful. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, the the gods of Skype were against us that day. Very much so. <laughs> it's okay. We sacrificed three chickens before this one, so we should be all right. Yes, yes, we have. Oh, you you did that too as well, did you? Oh yeah, yeah. It's three chickens each. Yes. And then you've got to scan in pictures of them and send them to Skype, and then it all works. Oh, okay, brilliant. Yes. Um. Oh crap! I forgot to scan them in. Do you think that's going to be a bad thing? Well, I mean, it's not ideal. You know, you've got to do your proper chicken murdering and scanning work to get Skype to work properly. It's all in the manual. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm so new at this. <laughs> Look, I don't want to say women and chicken slaughtering. You know, I don't want to go into that stereotype, but... <laughs> so how have you... Because I haven't seen you for, oh, what, five days? So how have you been this week? Oh, it's been a wild roller coaster over five days. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, my week's been good. Uh, well, I'm just uh, working out my notice at my current job. Uh, so I've got one week left as of today. Well, as of tomorrow, one week and a day, I believe it is. Okay. So so that's pretty good. So I'm enjoying that. I uh, managed to do some writing the other day, which is good. So I'm trying to do a bit more of that at the moment. So yeah, yeah, uh, not not a bad week. How's yours been? Yeah, it's been good as well. I mean, mainly working, to be completely honest. So, you know, to work, work, work. I'm going to be in Southampton tomorrow watching um, Skindred and uh, CKY. 
So I'm quite looking forward to that. That's right. Yeah, yep. I'm actually going on my own though now because the friend who was going to be coming with me, um, he bailed at the last minute. So I'm now going on my own. So it's going to be like a new experience for me in a way, actually going oh. to a, a gig on my own. So I don't know whether to be excited or nervous at this point, but there you go. <laughs> well, I would love to come if it weren't for the fact that my buddy uh, Michelle Saul is in a play tomorrow. So uh, yeah. But, uh, the group which do a panto every year and it's got progressively later and later to the point where I think at some point it will be in December again. At the moment <laughs> it's in, um, what month are we in? It's in April. Uh, I don't even remember what month we're in right now. Um, so I'm off to see that. So and it's the same group I used to do pantos with. Aww. Oh, yes, I did. Yes. <laughs> oh, no, you didn't. Um, so oh, that's what dead. she said. <laughs> Kindred, they're the racist ones with the um, uh, General Lee flag, aren't they? Uh, the Confederate flag. No. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I think and I, I'm, I'm, I think they do. They have used the uh, Confederate flag sometimes. Oh, have they? Okay, I haven't. Are you actually joking now, or are you actually serious? No, no, I, I think they have. This isn't a joke, but I might be wrong. Like, I'm okay. not joking, but I could be wrong. Okay, it's impossible. Okay. there was a. This is a really random tangent, but there was a song which uh, Jay-Z, no, not Jay-Z, it was L Cool J mm-hmm. did with, I think it was, um, might be Kid Rock or someone like that. And there's a line which they talk about, like, it's a re- the cheesiest, shittest song. Um, there's a line that which goes on about, like, uh, if you can forget my gold chains, I'll forget the iron chains. That's how really insensitive and shit this song is. Yeah. But there's another bit where they're talking about um, when I had the Confederate flag out, it's only because I'm a Skinner fan. It's oh, okay. something along that. They they reference them and the Confederate flag. Yeah. So it, it's it's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> so you can let me know how racist it was tomorrow. I will. I will. I'll let you know. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I said, I am looking forward to it. Um, and once you're in there, it doesn't really matter, does it? Because like you can't hear anybody to actually speak to anybody. So, you know, I just hopefully there'll be somebody getting me up from the, the bottom of the floor of the mosh pit again. <laughs> <laughs> well, is, is that just where you hang out for like the, any drinks that are spilled? You just catch them. <laughs> no, no, I'll be driving. Like the sadly. drunken lush you are. <laughs> says he who's actually been drinking already so uh you know <laughs> oh I, i'm drinking kind of strong blow as i say that oh okay oh classy I'm drink then classy look, drink of we, got uh, rock gut <laughs> you get how it is here in the uk if we get sun for a day we get like t-shirts into vests we have like yep. all the booze we can manage to to enjoy the sun in the proper way drunk <laughs> just so that the listeners know it's actually been a really hot day in the uk today which is really rare um but yes it's actually been 25 degrees so i'm having a very british conversation right now as well aren't we because um the fact that we're actually talking about the weather so <laughs> that's degree centigrade as well none of your fahrenheit bullshit yeah yes yes just, we, to, we... Isol- just to isolate any of your american listeners <laughs> just love to let you really guys <laughs> just to let you know that squeeze said that not me <laughs> by the way i was thinking earlier i don't know why because uh, well it's obviously because i was doing the show but it's really weird in your intro all the american people like you know kevin smith and you've got uh very impressive by the way kevin smith and um mark bernardin 
introing the show and they say, oh, welcome to Talking Codswallop. Yeah. But all the Americans seem to want to put in an extra S. Yeah. It's always Talking Codswallop. Yes. There's, there's one S. It's weird. I get that you don't get the word, but... Yeah, also Dave, who did the intro, um, intro song as well, I noticed that he says Codswallop as well. No, it's Codswallop. You're, you're saying it correctly by accident there. <laughs> so you just said it correctly. You see, you want to say codswallop because that's the correct term, but because they don't have that word, it's codswallop when they yeah. say it. It's yes. kind of weird. Yeah, but I suppose that's it. Sorry, fascinating it? listening for anyone this, I'm sure. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, but before the guest comes, because uh, we got about well, about three to four minutes, so... I just wanted you to have an opportunity to, because obviously you've got your own podcast as well, haven't you? So did you want to sort of promote them for a second? And then um, we can, yeah, we can go on to our lovely interview, maybe. Yeah, when when I'm not correcting Americans on the pronunciation of Codswallop, uh, <laughs> I also host some shows myself. One of them is about Doctor Who, which is the Gallifrey Stands podcast which you can find at gallifreystandspodcast.com. It's also on Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff. So you can find it there. And I also do one, which is like the most niche podcast you could ever think of doing, where we <laughs> talk about a different episode of Due South every week or Due <laughs> South by Southeast, because that's timely, isn't it? But yes. I, I, I don't know. I just want to see some really fun, like where I do the dog tier one, I'm really nerdy about dog tier. I put a lot of time into researching and doing this and the other it's really fun to just have one in the due south one where i just sit down with my co-host mounty michelle yep. and uh, we have a bottle of, a different bottle of rum each episode and we just talk about due south which <laughs> is great and, and rum's got nothing to do with due south we just like rum and it just <laughs> seemed like a really sensible way of doing that and every now and again if michelle's busy i'll pull a random canadian of of my um social media which i know and sometimes even celebrities like um, the actor Ross Mullen, who's been in Game of Thrones and uh, Doc Two and loads of other stuff. You see, I'm promoting this much more than Doc Two one, and Doc yeah. Two one I put much more time into. Yes. Anyway, yeah, it's probably because it's a newer project for you as well, though, isn't it? And I don't even think it's that. I think even when the Doc Two one was new, I was putting less, more time into it, just because. I think it was because I, if I was going to do a second one, it had to be one I could easily do, and that I didn't have yeah. to put too much time like i don't edit it it goes out as we did it and you know as we drunkenly did it which usually means there's funnily enough i think when you're drunk you're less inhibited so i make less mistakes funnily enough yeah. um just probably talk more randomly but anyway let's do south by southeast which you can get on the wonky spanner network <laughs> I <love> uh, <laughs> which i yeah i can't remember like there's there probably is an address which you could go to for that but i can't remember it oh, so worry. just look up due south by southeast it's the only due south podcast which exists so um take that the other show which lasts about five episodes which talks about due south at the time yeah yeah well, yeah. well there you go it, it must be the rum it must be the rum you, I'm not even on the rum tonight. Uh, but anyway, you can find... No, um, no, I'm sorry. I meant the the rum. Uh, the reason why your podcast is being successful is because of the rum aspect. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's doing pretty well. It, I mean, it, it really amazes me that anyone's listening. I just sort of did it as a fun project. But um, it's actually getting some some decent downloads. I, I'm I'm aghast at that, to be honest with you. But it's a lot of fun, as I say. So um, just, just listen to those. Uh, you can get them wherever you pick up your podcasts. 
Fantastic. Well, there you go, everybody. You need to check those out as well. <laughs> and also, I do. I do listen to. I. I don't listen to the Gallifrey stance. Um, yep. Um, because, well, just because, like Doctor Who isn't completely on my radar. But you know, I'm sure because you've done it. Uh, you know, one day I will listen. I promise. <laughs> but, That's okay. Uh, yeah, it's cool. It's all good. There's no pressure. Yeah. Oh, by the way, also, just very quickly, the uh, Gallifrey Stands podcast is now also a radio show. Uh, it, it goes out on cryptonradio.com every Friday at times, which I should know. Uh, <laughs> I think it's like 11 o'clock in the morning UK time and midnight UK time, and you can work that out for your own region. Yeah. Well, that's that's really good. Uh, think you. about how far you've come as a podcaster. That's brilliant. Honestly, it's brilliant. Yeah, no, I'm really chuffed to bits with it. It's um, it, it's really weird because we just did the 200 episode a few episodes back now, and it was as we were putting up 201 that, well, it's between two, 200 and 202 that I found out that we were going to be going on the radio, and then by the 202nd episode it was up on the radio. So it seemed, seemed like a kind of really neat time to do it as well just when we breached that kind of milestone. So that was really awesome on all fronts. Yeah, and is that is that live radio or is that pre-recorded? No, the way it works is, uh, I mean, I had the option to send it in to them to go to the radio first, but uh, because I'm a lazy bastard, they <laughs> gave me the option of putting up as a podcast just as I already do. And then the radio station picks it up from the podcast and then just puts it straight on the radio. Uh, the only difference is now I've got to keep it to an hour and I'm not allowed to swear or I've got to bleep myself if I do. Yeah, but uh, it, it that's not too much of a hardship, if I'm honest. So, um, so yeah, no, it's, it's really fun times for the show. Oh, well, well done, you. Thank you um, very much. Okay, so I think it's this time now to bring in our our guest, and fingers crossed, you know. Now we've submitted those uh, photos of the the headless chickens. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, everything will work fine, and we will have a Scottish person in a few moments. <laughs> yeah, do not adjust your podcast app. This is a Scottish person. It's not any defect. Yeah, there will be subtitles, everybody. Well, am I just am I just dissing every nation? I'm sorry. I love the Scottish. I'm anyway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Squee, Squee is just joking. Everybody, don't worry, everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I, I've got Scottish heritage, so it's all good, and yeah. I love the Americans. It's all, it's all lovely, guys. Yes, it's all just banter, isn't it? I've even got an American co-host now on the Gallifrey Stands podcast. So there you go. Ah, brilliant! <laughs> now shut up. <laughs> that good. that was a joke, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, I thought you meant you had the, the Chris Downey there. No, no. Okay, then was... you shut up and get on with your job. Hey. Well, no, I don't. But I'm waiting hey. to die. I'm waiting to dial him so that I can. Um... Oh, anyway. Come <laughs> on. Yeah. Uh... There he is. Oh, fingers crossed. Here we go. Squee, you still there? I am still here. Okay, cool. Well, that's one at least. Hello. Hopefully, we'll have oh. Tony from. Oh, hello. <laughs> How you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm grand, yeah. Fantastic. Um, right. Good evening, Chris. 
Yeah. I hate it. I was just going to say, okay. yes, we, we've got um, Squee, Squee with us and um, it's also obviously myself, Gemma. So hello. Nice to speak to you again. <laughs> How have you been? Because I understand, uh, sort of jumping straight into it, that you've, you've just come back from LA, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. We went to LA about two, three weeks ago um, and I experienced my first instance of jet lag, which is nice. Oh, that is, sucks. Jet lag yeah. is horrible. Yeah. I've never I've never experienced it before. We've been to New Jersey, Florida, New York. Never any problem we get there. You live out our day and then the next morning wake up at regular time and live that day. But when we went to LA, you know, it was worse coming back when we landed. I, I just wanted to go to sleep, but I had to get another flight from London to Edinburgh and then to Edinburgh to St Andrews um on a oh. and then a bus and then a taxi. I mean, I didn't need to get the taxi, but I didn't want to walk 20 minutes from the station to my house. I was absolutely exhausted or knackered, as they say. Yeah. yeah. So I went right home. And then I, I slept nonstop for days. I just kept going to sleep whenever the kids were asleep or preoccupied or or my wife was home. So it's just lucky that I have the time to catch up on my... It took me about a week to get caught and I still sometimes wake up with the illusion that I'm absolutely shattered. But now with the sun out today, you must be really confused. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I, I guess it's just because it's double the time. You know, once you get to New York, the East Coast, anywhere there, you know, that's six hours. But if you want to go to the West Coast, you've got to double that. And I remember thinking, geez, that's, that's a hell of a lot of time to be in one small little sardine tin um, but luckily, I wasn't really worried. Now, Chris Bain, who plays Muse in the movie, he just kept going, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm going to have to get sleeping pills. And he just kept going on and on and on and on. He was really worried about it. He thought he was going to lose his mind. Uh, I was just kind of looking forward to three movies for 11 hours, which is what I got. Yes. Yeah, That that is the fl- in-flight um, entertainment is probably one of the good things. About a I always look forward to it. It's, it's my favourite thing. Um, uh, yeah, there we go. What kind of um, what kind of films did you? Well, not necessarily. What kind of films did you watch on the plane? I mean, obviously, you can say that, but like, what kind of genre a film is your cup of tea? Um, I don't know. Uh, I like I like off kilter films, just films that are with a spin to them. So, for instance, I watched The Shape of Water when I was on. I really wanted okay. to see that when it was out. And for those of you who've never heard of it, uh, The Shape of Water is, it's like Twilight, but it's mm. well written. And instead of vampires, it's the creature from the Black Lagoon. <laughs> Nessie. <laughs> there we go. And I thought, wow, that's, and I, I saw the imagery in the trailer and I was like, fantastic, that's great. So it really was, it was beautiful. The end is, for someone who's quite visceral, um, Guillermo del Toro, nailed it with uh um with with the softer side of his filmmaking there's still like nasty things like people losing fingers and getting beaten up and stuff like that and uh, nothing as bad as say pan's labyrinth or anything like that but there's a lot of softness in that movie that kind of balances it out so i kind of like think uh, something with a spin something different yeah, yeah. You, got, you got to save that film it's it's no one's saying oh god not another fish man who falls in love with a woman's story Exactly. Exactly. That's that's what drew me to it. Because if there were a hundred other films like that, I would have, yeah. yeah, exactly. Because just recently, I went to the cinema and I went to watch um, oh, a Quiet Place. 
and I won't I won't talk about it too much because it's so brand new that there will be spoilers, unfortunately. But um, yeah, uh, otherwise, sorry, is what I meant, not unfortunately. And I actually went yesterday and it was a very good film, um, in yeah. my opinion, but it was also a little bit repetitive as well. So the like the concept of it is an, is an amazing idea. We came out of the cinema and we thought, you know, like for a, a while, we weren't actually talking. Because it was kind of like, you know, we'd almost got into the habit of not talking because <laughs> you know, it was so quiet, that film. <laughs> so that was a weird illusion, really. You know, like, yeah. I think I'll still have been complaining to the to the um, the theatre. They go to the theatre and say, look, I, was, I went to the movie and people were just talking throughout, whispering and crunching and munching and really annoying. So I think some cinemas have warnings up on the door saying, please be quiet during this film. Nobody talks. Yeah. And we oh. will hear you when you pass gas, when you whisper to your friend, what's going on? <laughs> Mind you, you, you sort of feel like when you see signs like that, oh yeah, whereas those other films where people talk in them, no, just talk over them, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's usually so loud that it's fine, but, you know, that there's there's very low in music as well. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's all atmosphere and things like that, from what I understand. So... Yeah, they've had to be safe. Yeah, because, well, the the couple that was sat next to me, they kept talking, but, like, really low whispered talk. But, again, like you said, I could hear everything that he was saying to her and she was saying to him. And I was just like, after a while, I was just going to say, Oi, mate, you know, just shut up. <laughs> you know. You're going to become cockney for the occasion. <laughs> yeah, apparently so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've just realised that I haven't actually introduced you yet, so I do apologise, Chris. <laughs> I, I often don't introduce myself either and just jump right in. <laughs> no, that's perfect. That's perfect for this podcast because it's all over the place anyway. But um, because we we have me and Squee have actually done a bit of an interview, um, a bit of an intro for you. Um, but then I've just dawned on me that I've not actually uh said who you are and welcome to the show. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we've got Chris here today, and he is. I I think it's been established now that you're the the man behind pretty much you did everything with shooting clerks is that right you had your toe in every um, sort of pie <laughs> yeah i guess so it's still worth shouting out of course the cast who oh yes half the film just me running around wearing a wig um bad costumes and bad facial hair um there's obviously my producers uh brett murray and um uh, ryan james and uh of course felix k my canadian producer of course you had to have a canadian one <laughs> yeah 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 of course the wonderful people on indiegogo and our fans and supporters and yeah um and anytime i get a chance to just shout out ralph garman who hosts hollywood babylon with kevin smith he uh is responsible for getting this sort of started years ago when he gave a little film that I made about the guys, just a, a wee sort of chance, a wee snippet on Hollywood Babylon. And yeah, so I, I owe everything to, to Ralph Garman, Thomas Towner, the guy who sent in the email for my casting call. Um, and uh, of course, Kevin himself. Yes, of course. Yeah. But that actually I didn't, because I listened to Hollywood Babylon as well myself. And I think you do squee as well, don't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Religiously every week. I love it. Uh, I didn't actually put the two and two together. I didn't realise that Ralph had such an impact and had such a behind the scenes kind of. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, what what happened was 
people were sending in artwork and things like that, you know, to show their fandom. And I was mm-hmm. I was still going to make movies. I'd done my, my diploma, but then I was starting another diploma in a sort of more realistic area. And but I was still making movies on the fly because I just I really couldn't give it up. So I sent in this, uh, I did this casting call and then instantly regretted it because I was like, nobody's going to watch this crap and stupid band <laughs> film podcast. That's weird. And then the casting call got sent to Hollywood Babylon. One of the listeners sent it directly to Ralph. Ralph read it. Decided to mention it on the show, and you can go back to 2012-ish or maybe late 2011, and he talks about it and laughs at the description of the characters and blah blah blah. And I thought to myself, well, I have to make it now. So uh, yeah, he and he kept every every time we had an update, like for instance, here's set pictures or here's the the actors in costume, makeup, here's the trailer, and boom, here's the actual film. Um, yeah, he did. He did as a solid, and I know it was linked to the show, but he really didn't have to do that. And he was a, a sweetheart for it. He, he doesn't. He, he doesn't want people to know he's a, a very nice man. <laughs> he wants yeah. people to think a mudgeony sort of character of a bloke. But um, yeah, we were lucky enough. It all came full circle because two weeks ago uh, we were on the show. Um, we were in LA, and we wanted to go to this uh, the. the the recording of, of the show because you're supposed to do it live in Hollywood. Yeah. So we went along and we happened to be in great company because the doctor saved Kevin Smith's life was there as well. Yeah, I remember hearing that episode, yes. Yeah, so we're at the beginning and he just gives us a shower and I give him a couple of props from the film and just basically kiss Ralph's arse because he really deserves it for giving <laughs> us a hand up. As, of course, so does Kevin. I mean, it must be so surreal for you at the moment because you've just had that experience. But you also were on um, Comic Book Men as well. Yeah, yeah, we were on Comic Book Men. That was, whew, uh, you had to slow down for it to sink in, and we never seem to slow down. We're always going the speed of light, which is exhausting until you get off the train that moves at speed of light, and then you can sort of go, oh, oh, that was, that was, that happened, geez, and then it sinks in. So we never really get to enjoy it at the time because it's so quick and. There's yeah. some stress involved. There wasn't with that, fully enough. Yeah, it was just one solid run through of, of like sort of explaining the situation in the episode and blah blah blah. Like we didn't have to go back. It didn't really stammer or anything like that. The guys all said funny stuff, and then of course at the end we didn't really need to say anything because they were just talking about the movie for 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 minutes at a time, and I was just sitting there like I can't, I'm numb. This is incredible. <laughs> I mean, there, there was that, that terrific uh, shot which they got of Kev just tearing up watching the film. That must have meant so much to you guys. It was funny, actually, because the director, producer and all the crew are very approachable and nice. And we were we were chatting to one of them. I can't remember what we were talking on, but we're like, oh, you know what we should have done? We should have put a GoPro in front of Kevin. We should go in there and put a GoPro where we where he's going to sit because his his seat is free it's beside his mother. His mother's yeah. already there. So and then the guys the guys from AMC were like, "Nah, don't you worry, we've got cameras on him already, and their low light cameras pick up everything." And I think I'm not I'm not sure if they're low light or even if they're if they're night vision cameras, but they they got every reaction incredibly sweet and and very flattering to see him react that way. So. Yeah. It is lovely when he reacts that way, isn't it? Yeah. Kevin is such a big softy, isn't he? He just loves everything. And it, it probably meant a lot as well because you followed in his footsteps and you created a project about him. So, yeah. 
What what was it just talking about comic book men? Um, do you listen to Tell Him Steve Dave in that case? Or is I haven't it, listened to it in a, in a while. It's been a long time. Um, I've, I've I've only really ever got time for two podcasts, and Hollywood Babylon is, is one of two podcasts I listen to. So yeah, um, I would like to actually go right back to the beginning. I remember discovering Smodcast and having like a year and a half worth of podcasts to catch up on and being really so excited. So um, I will go back and and pick up on Tell Steve Dave, but it's been about four years. That being said, I do listen to the odd sort of special episode. Um, I take time to download that, but I used to be subscribed to all of them. It's just, you know, new phone after new phone and then less and less time available. Yeah, yeah, it is because I mean I I'm quite fortunate in a way because I I listen to my podcast well not my podcast in general but I do but um yeah with regards to um you know the podcast that I actually listen to uh, on my commute back and forth to work so that's quite that's quite good you know like it's two hours a day that I'm able to actually listen to something funny and take my mind away from the fact that I'm stuck in traffic or, you know, whatever. So. I listen to the podcast when I'm cleaning the kitchen or cleaning up the toys in the living room um, or dishes or something like that. Something that's monotonous that I absolutely can't be bothered doing but have to do. Yes. I usually do that or I'll put on, you know, I'll put on an album or something like that. But it's usually a podcast. I like something that I can pick up without, like, listening too much. So audiobooks are out unless I'm on a walk that's just dedicated to walking. If I have to go to the shops or something like that, I can't be listening because I miss half the book. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. So, do you listen to many audible books then, or is that just? When I do. Uh, it's it's made, the reason I do it is because sometimes I'm put off by a book's length. For instance, one of the books that I read was the Steve Jobs biography because it was so big. It was something like 900 pages. I thought, I mean, I'm put me off. I, and it was very good and very eye-opening and enlightening and whatnot. But, um, and another reason is that I just, I never have time for any sort of entertainment. I'm still just always working. I'm working on the script for the new film. I'm still, you know, putting the final touches to the first film, which came out but didn't come out, hasn't been released, but we've shown it to some people. It's very confusing. Um, so I never really get a chance to sit down and watch you know, a Blu-ray or read a book or anything like that. But I get excited when I have a lot of time for it. So the the the, the Audible uh, app is good for that because if I'm doing something around the house that I need to do, yeah, then I've got a free pass. That means I can listen to an audiobook while I do that. If I'm walking outside, if I take my kid for a walk and it's pram so that he can go to sleep, then I usually get a good 20 minutes or 30 minutes of, of a book then. And that means I can actually sort of feel like I've achieved something that's not just oh, I'm just going to schedule a big bunch of actors or, oh, I'm going to edit this scene for the 95th time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's good. It's good to have. It's good to have free time. I know that obviously being very, you know, being very busy, you've got to kind of keep the momentum up, haven't you? Because um, yeah. you know, while while it's all out there and it's all fresh and everything, so but you do need to sort of have some time for yourself as well. It's important. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's tough because it's it's almost like I kind of. Uh, refer to as being a shark if you stop moving you drown and I feel that that's going to happen unless that's, I get a proper footing yeah. it's gone well and we've had amazing success but you know we're just on the lip of success, we're not in the actual 
pot of success. So we're hanging onto the lip. There's a good chance we might, you know, pop into the actual bowl itself. But if we don't keep sort of hanging on, clinging, keep things going, keep the momentum going, we're just going to fall. So, yeah, I just don't want to be one-hit wonder. I mean, I, I very much love the story we've told, but film number two may surprise people as it's nothing nothing like this. Can we have a little sneaky, uh, you know, like insight as to what film number two is going to be, or do you rather keep that under wraps at the moment? I- I'm sure I can. I'm sure I can filter a few bits and pieces. Uh, yeah, it's so it's a drama. <laughs> okay. Uh, character study of three three female characters uh, struggling in a world that doesn't really have time for them. Okay. And it's got some supernatural elements and some political sort of of the time elements in there. You know, it's 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 going to be. It accidentally became. A reflection of the time is evolved from being originally it was going to be a reflection of of the the, the platinum the gold and the silver age of cinema visually and okay. now i've just dropped all these things by the wayside because i think that they're just going to limit us because we want to be creative in another way and it's it's allowed us to come up with mood boards and, and various bits and pieces of, of pre-visualization that can allow us to be more free because we haven't got the limitations that we set in place. You know, so it's all general and doesn't uh, <laughs> anything. All that is nonsense. But. <laughs> it's really good that you've already sort of mindfully, at least, beginning to create your next project. It's good to keep your thing, you know, finger in it and everything. You know, finger in it's yeah, probably not the best yeah. word, but you know, <laughs> that's yeah, what he it's, said. It's, it's just, <laughs> just keep me hanging onto the lip of success. <laughs> Yes. Oh, well, you'll, yeah. I'm sure you'll make it. Keep flogging away. I'm, I am like a shark. I will keep doing it because uh, I honestly feel that I will drown. I, even when I was, like I said, when I picked up that second diploma, um, which eventually became my degree, I did that because everybody was telling me you should do something more realistic. You're never going to make it. You know, it's like one in a million. And even when I was doing that course, I was still finding ways to trick my tutors and my lecturers into letting me do a film instead of a video game or a, a mood piece or, or some sort of triptych art or anything like that. I'd always find a way of bending the rules so that it was a film or an animation or something like that. So I, even then, I was still just kept doing it. I, I can't. It's like I have to do it. People used to ask us at the screenings why we made this film and everyone laughs. They're like, well, I don't mean, you know, this film's this film's a pile of crap. Why did you make it? I mean, just like what were your what what were your reasons for making it? And I always say I had to make it. I just nobody else was making it. I wanted to see it, so I had to make it. I'm sorry if you uh, wanted to make it first or if you had a problem with it, but I had to make it. And that's basically the mantra that's stuck in my head. I just have to make films. It's an outlet. If I don't do that, I will go crazy. It's a very uh, Kevin Smith philosophy as well. He's espoused that he now only makes films that only he could make oh yeah yeah absolutely and you can see that when you watch his films a lot of the time i'm sitting there with my eyes wide like what yeah. what <laughs> um that being said it's he's he's still got his foot in i guess the old world because he is going back and doing jane and bob reboot so it'll be interesting to see him revisit that and then jump back into the i guess you could say it's like the modern avant-garde filmmaker that he's become 
He's also now said that he's making films that he wants to watch as well, isn't he? So very similar to like what you said, you're making things you want to watch. And I think that's where you should, how things should start, you know, Uh, and just hope for the best that everybody wants to watch it too. So (laughs) with regards to Kevin Smith, um, there's still the third film from the, uh, what was it? The The Green North Trilogy. Yeah, the Great North. Yeah, we're still waiting for uh, Moose Jaws, aren't we? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that'll happen. Um, and the, the fun thing about that is, you know, as we were saying, that's, you know, a marriage of the two worlds. You've got the weird sort of avant-garde splatterfest that has been his, his latest batch of film meet the Views Universe because Jane and Silent Bob are in it. So it's just to see how he merges those two together because he's he's got he's probably got a very different method when it comes to writing about Jay and Saint Bob or Dante and Randall. He he'll do it in a very sort of protected way, whereas when he does, you know, Yoga Hosers, Moose Jaws, um, Tuscan, he's like, let's just go crazy, let's just do anything, let's get to this point and be like, ah, I don't need this character, let's have them get shot in the face and then they're dead. Well, he wouldn't do that in the previous universe. So it'll be nice to see him sort of puppeteer those worlds without the strings getting tangled. That's a very good analogy, actually. Yeah, definitely. Going on to talking about your project now. So obviously you're a big fan of Kevin Smith, and I assume he's the biggest inspiration for Shooting Clerks. Were there any other reasons that that project alone inspired you to do it? Was it just because you wanted to watch it? Yeah, I wanted to see it because... I'd obviously read his books and I watched the the making of docs, especially the Snowball Effect and the Clerks X DVD. And I thought, wow, this story is great and it's homegrown. They're talking mm-hmm. about normal things. He's, he's a convenience store clerk. He's a roofer. They've all got normal jobs. They have lives, go to the movies with their friends. And I thought to myself, that I can relate to that. And it's so meta. It's unbelievable. The way we made our movie is exactly how he made his movie. I made it with people that were either semi-fans or fans and happened to be, you know, like-minded people or people who were just dedicated to my silly cause, you know, and the reason that they did this was because they were my friend and they believed in me. And that's exactly what Kevin did. And although this is the Kevin Smith movie, and we allude to it with the tagline, this movie wouldn't exist. Clerks would not exist without Ernie O'Donnell. Jason Mewes, Brian Johnson, uh, Walt Flanagan, mm. uh, Mike Bellicose. It wouldn't it, it wouldn't be around if it weren't for them. And then obviously second batch of friends that you met, John Skill, Scott Mosier and Dave Klein. And it wouldn't be around without his friends. So although he did come up with the key idea for the film and, and then obviously built the script around his humour, they wouldn't have been able to make the film if he didn't have the support of these you know, equally talented people. And that's exactly what happened to me. I mean, people may look at me and go, hey, look, he, he's done like 47 different or 37 different things on on the film. And although I did, I had some amazing people helping me and I wouldn't have been able to make it this way. I would have still made it, guaranteed. If I had to put sets up with cardboard and whatnot, I would have still made it, but it just wouldn't be what it is if it weren't for, well, 
I can say it, my friend. And even if they weren't my friends when we started, they certainly have become friends since. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, because um, on a set, I imagine, because I've never, you know, I've never been on a set completely, but it is teamwork, isn't it? It's everybody oh, yeah. from the director to the lighting person to the person who brings the donuts. You know, it's it's kind of everybody has got a role to play. If they don't play that role, then something sort of breaks, doesn't it? So yeah. it's such a great team effort. So the, the weird part and the hard part is <laughs> all those jobs you just listed were one person on our film. Oh, so that okay. makes it difficult. Um, yeah, and, and what makes it even more impressive in regards to what everybody did to make this movie for the love of Kevin Smith and his story and because they happen to be, you know, my friend or my relative, is that they all did it for free. It's when you make a movie, That's you can amazing. be the most repellent piece of crap on the planet, but if you've got money and you can pay people and you're not too nasty to them, they'll turn up and you'll be able to make your movie. But when you're me, I don't have anything. Um, all you can really offer people is your, your, your wife's fantastic cooking and, you know, some Kevin Smith DVDs and maybe a, a couch to sleep on. It's really a, a testament to the character, the people who are involved in this movie and helped it actually come to fruition because, you know, we did it by the skin of our ass. <laughs> did you film it all in because sorry because i've not actually seen the film yet so which is why squee is here because i know that he yeah. has seen the films um obviously he'll he'll tell you about you know like his best bits and things like that in a few moments did you mainly film it in america or were you filming some of it in scotland we filmed all the interiors and the nighttime exteriors we filmed in Scotland. Okay. A place called Balmullo. I believe it's St. Andrews. Yeah, it's St. Andrews. I'm thinking, geez. And then we shot bits and pieces all over the place. But the majority of the second unit was shot in New Jersey. We actually shot in LA as well. We shot with Jason Muse in LA um, in a Airbnb that we rented. And we shot with this. Here's a funny story. I'm going to derail your question just for a minute. No, that's fine. You carry on. It's the night before we shoot News's cameo and everything's set in place and the revised script has been sent to him and we're all looking forward to it. We go to Hollywood Babylon and, you know, I get on stage and I thank Kevin and Ralph and, you know, I shake hands and hand over props and we enjoy the show. And then I'm going to the bathroom and when I come out, Matthew Postlethwaite, who plays Walt Flanagan in the film and ha ha happens to live in LA at the moment, he's standing outside with a bunch of, of other other people and they're like this this is uh this is jake and i'm, I'm like oh well, how are you doing jake jake played team number one in jane Silent bob strike back and clerks too he's the guy that buys weed off of jane oh, wow. and and we we're like whoa and it was clearly him just a little bit more grown up had a beard slightly longer hair and he's like, you know, if you need a hand, just just let me know and I'll, I'll be there. I'm like, you want to be in the scene with Muse tomorrow? So we wrote him a character. So we went back to the drawing board for the 95th time. And <laughs> we wrote him a character. He's essentially Muse's, well, not say, because it's a brand new scene. So even those who've seen it, you know, you, you want to go see it just for, for this scene alone. It's incredibly funny and they work really well together. But yeah, that, that was... That that was LA, so and that was that was just surreal. Yeah, but is that the the brown haired guy then? Um, yeah, because there was so a brown haired guy and a blonde guy, wasn't there? So yeah, the taller of the two, the the slightly smaller guy. They're both the same height now, I think, but slightly smaller guy. Uh, Kevin couldn't get in contact with him for clerks too, because he was meant to be with him buying the weed at the same time. 
Ah, so that's why okay. he took that role because, of course, Ethan Suplee is another um, regular. Great, isn't it? Because it's something as small, you know, like it's, it's um, obviously, even though he had such a small role in that film, mm-hmm. it's still a really great callback that he's now in your film as well. Yeah. So it's great. Absolutely. <laughs> Are you planning on doing any more showings of the film in the UK? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, it's a lot easier to do UK screenings because financially it doesn't put a chokehold on our wallets because it's very you know local and we can fly to, to London and get a train everywhere else um so we're just waiting we we want to actually now screen the final film and because we've got our last few bits and pieces and quite a few extra bits and pieces including the new scene and the Jake scene and whatnot then we're we're going to actually plan a proper tour in the UK and an East Coast tour as well. We won't be able to do a web because uh, just yet, just because it's really expensive to get to the West Coast. We were lucky that when we went there for WonderCon and, and to shoot Muse's cameo, that it was the cheap season, so we could afford it sort yeah. of. Um, and it was uh, it was worth it to do that. But in order to do an East Coast tour we have to wait until we get a little bit more finances in and um support from 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 like um independent cinemas and, and whatnot in that part of the, the country but uh yeah britain should be quite easy all we have to do is you know put our capital where our mouths are and then get to those locations and hopefully people will come out buy tickets and come and hear us after it talk about how how we sweated balls while we're trying to make the most impossible most ridiculous things ever made because <laughs> squee where did you where did you actually view shooting clerks and what what was your opinion on it as well uh no i hated it i, I absolutely hated it of course no 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 it was great it was awesome i saw it at the um premiere up in the prince charles theater up in london ah, uh, it was absolutely wonderful been- night yeah, I, I ended up chatting to you for a little while. You may not remember, I was with Ben Gummery from Indie Macusa, who'd been oh, yeah, yeah. quite a bit. Ben, ben, uh, shout out to Ben. Ben's our first yeah. man. Yeah, he was a huge fan of the film, and uh, I was so keen to see it. And it was just such a wonderful night. Not only, I, I mean, obviously what it was, we were all looking forward to seeing the story of uh, of Clerks being made. It was just the spirit around it. So you've, you've already alluded to the fact that obviously you were kind of retreading a journey which Kev had made in a very similar way. You were making an independent film and you were making it with your friends. And it felt like everyone in the cinema suddenly was mates. I mean, I actually got chatting to your Scott Mosier, Harry Mitchell. So big shout out yeah. to him. So I've become a little mates with him since. And uh, it, it was just such a, a wonderful spirit. What was it like for you being able to share it with everyone finally? But at that point, we had shown it a few times, and when it was at its worst, we got this amazing feedback. And I thought, hold on, this is this isn't even the final cut, and people are really enjoying it. So we were excited, truly honoured as well to screen it at the Prince Charles. And I'd been there a couple of days before. My friend, uh, my friend and producer uh, Ryan James and I like going to see classic movies at the theatre and this is the first time we were actually going to get to do it together because he lives in Florida at the moment so we went to see the Blade Runner uh, duology duology or whatever you call it um, and I remember sitting in the room thinking oh it can't be this room it must be one of the other screens that we're going to screen our movie and big huge screen with more seats than I, I think we'd even filled before and I always worry that we're never going to fill the seats or it's going to be embarrassing we're going to have like four people so the next day comes yep that's the screen we're going to be in and boom uh, you know we're like 90% capacity uh, and it would have been it would have been 
embarrassing, but I still would have got up and you know presented the film anyway. And even if there were four people there, I'd still care what those four people thought, and I'd still be happy that four people got to see the movie. But luckily, more than four people, and it was a blast. It was it was just insane. Yeah, I mean, as I say, it was such a lovely atmosphere. And one thing which I noticed about the film, I mean, I was already looking forward to seeing a film which was going to be all those wonderful stories we've heard from Kevin Smith writ large in a film. But uh-huh. it was actually how much more there was to it. It was how much of the stories which we hadn't heard before. Uh, maybe you'd like to tell us a little bit about researching it and how you got some of those stories which were sort of new to the movie, you know, things which people hadn't heard since when it happened. Yeah, well, I'm glad that you, you picked up on enough new material because one of the first pieces of criticism that we received when the film was announced was, but we've seen the, the snowball effect. And even before we we said, yeah, but we've got, we've got like exclusives and stuff like that that you've never heard. Um, we would just say, yeah, but this is a dramatization. You can emotionally invest in this, whereas with a documentary, unless the person starts getting upset, usually you can't really get as emotionally involved because it's it's real. It's, it's, it's someone recounting reality and you're seeing photographs and things like that. So, um, I mean, you know, that's me selling documentary short and I really shouldn't. But I was just saying that it's, it's a different experience. And, of course, I'm not stepping on the feet of the Clerks X uh, snowball effect because uh, it's one of my favourite films. I'm not going to say it's one of my favourite documentaries. It's one of my favourite films. I've seen it almost as many times as I've seen Clerks at this point. But, yeah, getting the information was... I tell you, if, if, if I'd been able to if, go back in time and tell myself how long it would take and all the different hoops that I'd have to jump through in order to get, I probably would have lost my mind and not done it. But yeah, it wasn't as daunting when we first started. We just contacted specific people, Brian O'Halloran, Ernie O'Donnell, Scott Schiaffo, Kevin himself. The good thing with Kevin is all the information's out there, so I really only needed to contact him for little sort of specific bits of information that I'm sure nobody would care about. Like, for instance, what exactly what what the flatbed they used to edit the film on what model was it yeah you know right. things like that and, uh, dave claim is another helpful source for exactly what camera they used and you know did they use a nagra to record this and that or was it used using another piece of equipment and i got exact from from these people so uh but other than that yeah i used um books the podcasts at first, and then I did interviews with nearly everybody involved, including Lisa Spoonauer, who sadly passed away, yeah. of course. And that that was one of the, the most valuable interviews I did. And it happened in such a sort of unexpected way because it was further down the line and the film was basically locked. And she was asking a few questions and I was, I was telling her a few bits and pieces, just answering whatever she wanted to know. And she wasn't happy with the way her character sounded. And I was like, oh, no, no, you know, it's not a negative character. She's very much the sweetheart of the film. And she said, but I wasn't like that. I was like, okay, what do you mean? And then she told us these stories. And I was like, wow, I, you know, I could put those in. I mean, I'd be happy to just bring everyone. But she's like, no, no, you do your thing. You know, it's film and it's not really my film and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, whatever. And I thought, oh, and I actually had a, a chat with, with as many people as I could. I even spoke to Marilyn Gigliotti about it and to get her take on it and found out that she didn't even know these stories. And I thought, God, this is, this is it's a shame we didn't get a chance to do this. And when she passed, I remember just, I was really shocked because I didn't know her, but I'd spoken to her a good few times. Yeah. And 
And oh God, it was such a shame because I know she was battling illness for a while and Kevin had helped her financially. Um, so I was aware of that. And I thought, you know, I can do something here to tribute uh, for Lisa. I can put her stories in the film. So I contacted everybody involved. Tom Sullivan, who plays Jeff uh, Anderson. I contacted Stephanie Price, who plays Lisa in the film. And of course, I contacted Mark Frost, who plays Kevin. And I said, look, guys, I know we've been shooting this movie for what seems like a decade. In fact, at this point, it's almost half a decade. But for Lisa, you know, let's do this. I can't offer any additional points or money or anything like that. Would you be willing to do this for free? I'll bring you up on my penny, put you up on my dime, and we'll do these additional scenes based on this interview that I did with her um, the last time I ever spoke to her. And everybody, you know, across the board was, yeah, absolutely fine. Absolutely, I'll be there. Everybody came up, we shot some great stuff and it's some of the best stuff in the movie because it's very much character building for both, well actually for all three involved. So for the Kevin character, for the Jeff character and especially for the Lisa character and it was well worth it. I'd do it 10 times over um, just to get that in there. Oh, that's a nice tribute to her as well, isn't it? Like you said, it's really lovely. One of the things that she told me, which became more and more sad the longer time went on, after her passing was she just said and I could, I could sort of hear her voice in my head because I was speaking to her and messaged her on Facebook and um, she said you know it's not my biopic or anything like that but nobody really talks about this stuff and it's not on the DVD and not a lot of people know it it's just kind of me and maybe a handful of people so I'm just kind of sad that no one's going to get to really know the real me I'm just going to be Lisa slash Caitlin from Clerks and I thought yeah that is shitty I mean, it's nobody's fault, really, I guess. But I, I can maybe do something about it. And, you know, I've not done a lot of good things in my life, but I'm, I'm confident that that was a relatively decent thing. And, you know, hopefully if her uh, friends and family ever see it, they'll, they'll know that I did it because she wanted it that way. And, uh, like I said, jumped through many hoops many times over, um, even if it was more difficult just to do it again if it meant that the the story of Lisa was in there. If I, if I may, as a fan, just watching it, I'm very thankful for you for putting those in. It just yeah. really means a lot to, to get those original stories. That, as I say, we've never heard anywhere else. Kev's, Kev's not even told some of these stories. I'm not even sure Kevin knows. Yeah. Because I, I keep meaning, like, I don't, it's not as if I see him like every week or anything like that. So, but when we, we, we meet up for whatever reason, I keep meaning to speak to him about it. But as you know, a million things go through your head yeah. when you're passing, and that's all, almost what it is. It's like passing in the night. I always forget, but he at least knows that that's a thing. So if he didn't know, he knows now. Hopefully he doesn't think we just made that up, because there are a few things in there that, you know, we, we, we had to sort of we had to put some glue in there to have one scene lead into another scene. But he, I think both he and maybe Walt or maybe Muse said that it was like 75 80% accurate and I was like thank you that's that's great that's what we think because obviously we we do a little bit of switcheroo and then we leave some people out because you know they were supportive people but they weren't directly involved so we like for instance he's an only child or appears to be an only child in the movie but he does have a sister Virginia and a brother Don Don Jr but we, we brought them out just because although they were they weren't directly involved and it was cost prohibitive as well because it's men casting two other actors them to you know essentially just stand there being really supportive brother and sister no it's really great the other question i had based on the uh viewing was your choice of 
when to use black and white and when to use color. So it's ostensibly shot in black and white, like the original. And you go into color at times where you might have camcorder footage or stuff, which might have been in black and white. That was a really yeah. nice effect. How did you come to that decision about how to use those? I was actually going to ask, was it in black and white or um, in color? So yeah, thank you. Yeah, the, the, essentially the way that the trailer is, the trailers are a bit sharper and, and, and smoother than the actual film. The film it has been put through a filter to look like it is 16 millimeter film as opposed to, you know, digital 4K and HD. But yeah, we used, there was a rule and it was basically if it was POV or a feed from inside the world of the film, as in shooting clerks, that would be in color. But everything else is a memory. So it's black and white. And also it has to harken back to clerks. That's black and white as well. Plus that does save you a lot. You know, it really does save you doing it in black and white. Obviously, the cost isn't any different for the, you know, the cards because we don't have film anymore or anything like that. But the cost, you know, it does help us when we don't have to put an exact matching color prop in the background because sometimes we can get one cheaper that's a different color. Or if the color temperature's off because we've got conflicting light sources, which is something they had to deal with in the film and it's something that we actually address in our film. It's a piece of dialogue that actually was to so that that was a good thing about having black and white but yeah whenever we we have color it's it, originally the idea was the farther back you go the more black and white it is because that's how you remember things things become right. foggy the farther you go forward in time but we decided that'd be a bit sort of more too complicated and a bit weird for everybody so we decided that everything would be equally black and white if it's the flashback sequence of the film or the memory portion but if we see something that is a solid recording of the time like you know a super 8 film cctv camera or or vhs camera or anything like that that would be in color because that's a perfect recording it's perfect capture um of the time so that was the reason we went down there and i like to rip off martin scorsese who did it in region bull because <laughs> <laughs> i i thought when i was watching it i thought it was kind of a reverse because it seemed like Whenever, you, as I say, whenever you go to camcorder footage or uh, security video footage, it seemed like that was the bits in color, which might have originally been filmed in black and white in those times. But it's really interesting yeah. to hear there was that whole other ethos behind it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially the 19, I'll not say. <laughs> okay, there's a scene in the 1970s at the beginning. We have to start somewhere. The, the And there's, there's Super 8 footage in that. And Super 8 footage would probably be quite expensive in the 1970s especially for, you know, a working middle-class family in New Jersey, if they were going to use anything, it would have probably been black and white. But I have to say, I really love the look of Color Super 8. It's warm and vivid and it's dreamlike. Um, and for that, although it is, you know, a stamp, you know, official cotton time recording of the moment, we it was still nice to have a dreamlike look for it. Um, and that certainly alludes to a dreamlike look. You were saying earlier about contrasting colours as well. Did you mean like if if there was such and such, you know, say if there was like a, a green item, you wouldn't necessarily put a blue or red next to it? I kind of was a bit fascinated by the concept of the fact that you have to actually think about where you're putting things, you know, for lighting and stuff. Yeah, well, for instance, um, Mark's beard was a point of contention while we were doing the film because his hair seems to grow the speed of light it's just you know you die at one day and the next morning you wake up and he's got thor's hair from thor ragnarok it's blonde yeah. and he's got a beard like, 
God. So you either have to do one of two things, diet again, or you have to touch it up with makeup, which right. is fine. But the guy touches his face a lot because um, he's got a tick of some sort. I don't know why. And, and it's quite funny, actually. We call it doing a mark. Like, for instance, if he's doing a scene as Kevin and he goes to do a mark, that means he's stolen for time because he's doing a character bit, but he's forgotten that he's, he's not Mark. <laughs> he's doing a mark and he'll smear all the makeup down his neck. So he's got like, he looks like he's been in a coal mine. So instead of going down those routes, if it's in black and white, you can't see what colour his hair is. So on the off, off chance that we were shooting on the fly or his hair was going through fast, boom, we just, we're shooting in black and white. It doesn't really matter. Um, all you're going to have to do is mess around with the tinting of, of the actual black and white itself. So you have to crush down the blacks. But the blacks are crushed in clerks anyway, so that, that's that's a good thing that works to our advantage. And re- with regards to lighting, if you've got, <laughs> I was about to quote the script there, if you've got halogen lights and then you've got the light source from outside and then you've got a couple of work yeah. lights, overhead lights, the temperature is different. So it's going to look okay. weird. You're going to get these strange colours and it's not going to actually look like real life. Hence why they use your sort of three light setup because yeah, that can make it look like a balance because your eyes see obviously differently than the camera. So with black and white, that's all gone. There's no weird greens on the side of anyone's face or any or weird halos around the back of their head. It's got funky shadows sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. That said, we, 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 you know, you could, and if people cared about this movie, if this became like a, a small, tiny, minor indie hit and people were calling for it in 10 years we could release a color version because we did actually take our time to to balance everything and make sure everything looked right but like i said on the fly we're like oh we don't got time you know we're shooting in black and white we're shooting color for black and white just just do it we've got to do it because we're running out of sunlight or we're running out of actor time everybody wants to look sleep so yeah with there the, it is balanced properly but it's it's i can't remember what it was called it's something like it's like a bandage for the for the for the for the cut or something like that so you just worry about getting the performance and then cover it up with a bandage that is black and white god uh, yeah i'm just fascinated i'm fascinated purely by how much you actually know i i know that obviously you've got you know you've got a real passion for this but you i'm learning things today that i never ever sort of sat down and ever thought about so i'm actually yeah really fascinated i'm actually quite often sitting here and i know you can't see me but i'm actually sitting there nodding you know like in agreement sort of nodding sort of thinking oh wow what else is he gonna say (laughs) yeah so i'm yeah i'm finding this very interesting so thank you very much how did you feel when you first met kevin smith oh how how much time have you got (laughs) as long as you like (laughs) i'll tell you the santa claus story then as I call it, a close experience. Um, okay, so we were going down to the show in Manchester, living in Scotland, so it's a five or six hour drive. And he had, we told him that we were going to come down. And his people said, you know, you come down and we'll, we'll meet, but, you know, in the uh, interval. And I thought, fantastic, absolutely amazing. So I took a few gifts down, including some of the cast, like Mark and Chris Bain, who plays Muse. Yeah. Excuse me, I had to go get my charger because my phone's down. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so that's why I'm out of breath. <laughs> um, so we got there. We went and saw Jay and Silent Bob's super groovy cartoon movie. Got to the interval. There was no email. Got to the end of the film. Nothing. It was really late. We're about to jump in the van. We rented to go back up to Scotland. And we, my, my producer, Brett, says, I'm just going to go around the front. Fine. Go around the front. And then my phone promptly died. 
And then Alada get my wife gets a message saying, I'm in, don't go anywhere. Oh, God, this is exciting. <laughs> so we run at the back where everybody's waiting for autographs. And one of the roadies or whatever you would call them, they turned to us and, and sort of said in a loud whisper, look at these losers lining up for an autograph. And I thought to myself, well, that's a dickish thing to say because people who want autographs are not losers and we're not even here for autographs. So we, Jordan comes out, Jason uses his wife. Yeah. She runs Modco um, and she's one of my contacts. Um, known her for a good five years or so. She helped us out in the beginning when we were getting information and whatnot. Um, on the shorts and uh, she comes out and like gestures for us to come over and these big burly Manchester dudes aren't happy that we're going in and they're they're being really like abrasive <laughs> and like threatening and you know you're taking the mick bringing these people in here and she's American she's like what does taking the mick mean she's oh, like yeah. taking taking the mick you just kept saying it over and over again to her and she's like I don't know what that means and she's she's little but she's tough so she's like okay I'll be back in a minute. Sorry about this, guys. I'll be back in two shakes. So she goes off and, I don't know, gets them fired or something. But she comes back and gets us in. And it's, it's funny because we're getting in like a little bit at a time. So we start out in our van and then we're outside waiting for Brett. And then Brett and Jordan come out and then we're trying to get inside past these bouncers slash roadies. And then we get into the inner building and she's like, just stand there. So we're standing there. And I'm like, God, I'm not going to see him. I'm not going to get to see him. We came all this way and... And we came this close, and it's going to be, oh, it's going to be so terrible if we don't get to see him. And I'm telling the guys to talk about something else so we don't have to worry. And then we see Muse coming down the spiral staircase. It's a staircase inside of a turret, essentially, what's in the side of the building. Um, he goes all the way downstairs. And like, oh, God, what's that all about? And Kevin was doing a meet and greet, so you could pay a premium, and you could meet him, and you get a poster, and you get various other things, and chat away for five minutes, and then off you pop. And I thought, oh, okay, well, that's what he's doing because he's got a big bunch of stuff. He's obviously gotten gifts from people. Um, and then Jordan finally comes down. And she says, he, he, he's, he's ready for you. And I'm like, oh, okay. So the guys start walking up. And I'm <laughs> instantly or maybe five minutes after we met him, I thought, God, it's like we're going to see Santa Claus. This is the grown-up version of Santa Claus. And here, you know, I'm not saying anything about Jordan's ears, but here's, here's Santa Claus's elf. She's taking <laughs> stairs to Santa's grotto. We get to the top. We're, we get to the middle of the stairs, and Brett, my producer, does one of the nicest things he's ever done, and he's done lots of nice things. He said, "Everybody stop!" And nobody stopped, so he shouted it. Everybody stop! I'm like, okay. And he said, "Let Chris go first. And he he pushed me to the front so that I would be the first person that Kevin see. Um, I was like, God, so here we are, continuing to follow Santa's elf up these stairs to his grotto. And who do we see at the top of the stairs but Santa's wife, Mrs. Claus? We see Jennifer Schwalbach. And instantly I'm afraid because I know she's tough. Yeah, and she's, she's feisty, that one, boat. isn't she? I was about to be like, oh, hello, hello, Mrs. Schwalbach, hello. Um, but I didn't say anything. I just was like, ah, 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 as I walked past her. And we went into the small room at the top of a turret, for goodness sake. So it's like he's in a castle as well. <laughs> there's Santa Claus in the Santa Claus outfit. He's got the jersey on. He's got the jean shorts on. He's got the vans on. And he turns around and he opens his arms. And he comes and gives me a hug. And then we proceeded to talk about Waterworld for 15 minutes. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> That's such a cool story. Um, because uh, like I met Kevin Smith last year because he was at LA. Um, sorry, I don't live in LA. He was in London Film and Comic Con 
and yeah. um yeah squee was there with me as well and um i don't think you you didn't actually get the the meeting uh you didn't get the photo though did you no sadly i didn't get to meet the man i'd seen him live a couple of times i also saw the uh super groovy cartoon movie babylon uh james silent bob got old get old um hybrid show a few years yeah. back and i've seen him live since but uh yeah never never had the pleasure of meeting him but when I actually met him, I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was adrenaline or what it was, but literally I kind of pushed my friend Lucy in front of, in front of me. Um, well, she claims I pushed her in front of me so that she could go first. I needed that extra bit of time just to kind of build up, you know, my, my confidence to actually walk over to him really. Cause I was very nervous, but yeah, I, I was shaking like a leaf. Literally, and it was just, it was crazy. It, but, you know, it was also fascinating because it's so great just meeting him. I, I didn't know what I was going to say. I was like, God, I hope I don't just blurt out, I love you, I'm going to just fall his legs and, like, hug him. Um, but he he is very warm and very yeah. um, welcoming, which is something that is quite clear, but... You know, if you listen to his podcast, these films or, or any of his interviews, uh, you might think that it's a persona. It, it really isn't. That's what he's like. That's what you get. That's yeah. him. That's Kevin. There's no sort of uh, pretensions or anything like that. And when you meet him in person, you get that 100%. And uh, yeah, you, you you often think like, what was I worried about? And the good thing is like, we've met him since and it's always, you know, like hugs and thank yous and then weird conversations like i said we did we did talk about Waterworld for 10 15 minutes and i said to him i was like you know people are going to ask what i spoke to you about and i'm going to have to tell them Waterworld." and i don't know why we were talking about it but we had a nice laugh about it and then muse came in actually uh with some artwork that someone had done and the thing about muse he is like the stories he is literally like the stories he is like he is on on stage he came in with these pictures that someone had drawn of him and he was genuinely like, look at these. Someone drew a picture of me and Kevin looked at him like, motherfucker, I put you in a cartoon where someone drew a picture of you <laughs> every second. And you've seen this before, no? And he's like, yeah, but this is drawn by someone else. And he was really taken by this. And I, I thought, God, he's so, such an endearing, sweet guy. Yeah. Um, and that's of course we we got to work with him, and he was he was three different muses when we worked with him. He was fun time, sort of laughy and jokey muse, and then we did behind the scenes interviews for the the clerks shooting clerks shooting the shooting shooting clerks documentary, which will be on the DVD. Um, we did an interview him for that, and he changed again. He was he was very sort of like professional and very nice and serious, and then after that he was fun muse and he was you know talking about all the lego sets that he's got and yeah. you know played with his daughter and you know we got the sort of family man side of him so he's he's a complex character not a lot of people know that i think um a lot of people that probably listen to jane silent bob get old i think a lot of people would probably get that from from that side yeah. of things you know because yeah, yeah his daughter is the apple of his eye isn't he isn't she sorry she's she's very he's very happy and proud to be a father and yeah. Um, it's it's something he's always wanted, and I I can understand that. I've, I've wanted to be a father since I was probably about fourteen, um, and uh, it took me you know double my lifespan at that point to have a kid. 
but now that I have children, they're so precious to me, so I can understand, you know, how much joy that she brings in. Oh, yeah, because I'm looking forward to, I'm actually meeting Jason Mewes this year as well, because he's at um, the Isle of Wight Comic Con. Oh, yeah, yeah, Brian was there last year, he was trying to get yes. something set up, and we were going to go over, but um, yeah, things just so busy for everybody, it's crazy. Well, I mean, if you do make it over to, are you going to be going this year, did you say, or, um, or planning to? I don't or? know, it's probably a bit too late for us to, to go now although it would be good because i heard it's it's a, a good a good venue a good event um it's definitely one to you can't get any more nerdy than a kevin smith movie so i guess that's that's the good thing about that events like that maybe sometime in the future we can go like i said we'll, we'll just sort of wait until have the film fully finished so that we can give everybody we can give everybody who's not seen it the best product that, that we possibly can and we can give people who have seen it like, here's the director's cut, and you don't even need to wait till DVD. Boom, it's in the cinema. Yeah. Well, can, can I ask you a question about that? Because you've been so good at keeping on getting these wonderful cameos from mm-hmm. so many people who are in the original and from the universe and even the uh, greatest smodcast world now. When do you know that it's done? Have you got a kind of final cameo you've got in mind that will be the last one and then it's finished? Well, we've got, we've got two, or one, possibly two, that we've got... We're speaking to Dave Klein. Dave's doing a scene that we've done for him. And there's another one after that. But that is very much a maybe. And after Dave and this possible maybe, we've got everybody that's either alive or still acting. Mm. Um, obviously, I get that we don't have is Jeff Anderson. But yeah. Jeff isn't really acting anymore. And we did contact him. Um, but his agent was like, nah, he's been a pass on this one so I was like you know yeah. fair enough if, if it gets to the stage where he's turning down Kevin himself probably you're not exactly you're not there. <laughs> exactly when he when he turned down Clark's three I was like yeah, I don't feel so bad then he's, he's just the one to do it uh, you know I hear he's doing very well he's got a successful business out in uh, LA I believe he's still in LA so he's doing well and what does he what does he actually do then I'm not sure somebody told me when we were there um, just in passing, I was like, "Oh, that's cool," and I completely forgot. So <laughs> sorry, I remember. But uh, yeah, I, I know he's he's doing you know pretty well for himself, run, running a sort of homegrown business that is now doing really well out there. That's great because he dipped his toe into acting. He's obviously you know he probably enjoyed the acting side of things, but I think it's the feedback and the business side of things, isn't yeah. it? The, yeah. I can imagine, you know, like, you know, especially with social media, you've got Twitter out there that are either going to love yeah. you or they're going to hate you, you know, and Absolutely. yeah. See, I'm, I'm obviously behind the times because last time I heard about him, uh, he was on Smodcast and Kev was talking about him, about um, him, he was living up in the mountains. So the fact yeah. that he's gone back to LA now is a shock to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was the last time that I think Kevin really spoke spoke to him properly apart from he probably obviously spoke to him when he offered him Clark's three but yeah um he talked a, a lot about how the Weinstein screwed him over and yeah. how they screwed over Clark's yeah. two and everybody involved and they had to audit the Weinstein company in order to get the ball rolling on Clark's three at least sh- sort of shopping the script around and offering it first to I think it was Bob that was involved in um the the I think it was like a first exclusive because I can't remember for the first for the life of me um a first look deal or whatever whereas they've they've got the rights to make it but 
if they don't want to make it, you can take it elsewhere and then give them another chance later down the line. And then after that, you can clear in. But um, yeah, in order to get that going, they had to settle up with everybody involved because a lot of people didn't even didn't even get paid. And I was really shocking. And, and of all the things to say about the Weinsteins, especially Harvey, this is the least horrible thing that he's done. But it's still to, to just not pay your actors, especially yeah, when that film did, did as well. But yeah, I, I heard that Kevin offered him, you know, I think it was like something like 25 uh, grand to, to be Randall again. And he turned it down because they were all getting something like 25 or 30 grand piece, the sort of main players, that was Kevin, Muse, Brian O'Halloran, and Jeff Anderson, so they were all oh, and Scott Mosher, they were all getting 30,000 to do the movie or what have you, and he's like, no, I'm not doing it because I I, I can't stand working with with this guy this uh, Harvey Weinstein, even if I'm never really seeing him, he's like, alright, well I'll give you my share as well, so Kevin actually didn't get paid at all for that movie he gave his share, even if it was in lieu like, I don't know if they got paid up front I don't think they did. He still gave Jeff double in order to do the movie and went without himself because he knew that, you know, it was important. And it was. It really is a fantastic movie. I watched it recently and it's it's a wonderful follow up. So I'm glad he I'm glad he did that. And obviously God, fate, reality or whatever is paying him back by giving him this, you know, fantastic second career. So now he's got the, the double, triple, quadruple career, I guess you could say. For, for doing that one of many sort of nice things that's great and and who knew that that would be almost a positive for the wines teams compared to what was coming next oh absolutely yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, i love i love the scene in that film where randall and dante are in the prison cell yeah yeah and it's just it's quite an emotional moment though isn't it because it's like they're having such a heart-to-heart kind of moment and then you know <laughs> um, yeah, and then it's all back to comedy again a rare thing excluding maybe chase and amy it's a rare thing in the views universe to have such a touching sort of sweet character moment like that yeah. and i remember thinking god this is really heavy you know, I feel something in, in my stomach here. Yeah. And I guess that is one of the contributing facts to why you got a standing ovation. You can't because yeah. the movie, you know, tugged at your heartstrings as well as also flicking you in the balls and making you laugh. Yeah. I think it was that moment. That. And it was also the fact that the line was delivered by Randall. Randall had the kind of like um, serious moment in that, which yeah. is the one you're used to making all the dick jokes and being the... Uh, kind of one who always breaks up the series scenes usually he was the one who had that scene yeah yeah absolutely and i like to think that in the viewers universe and probably allude to it in the james Dunn bill reboot or whatever the title is this week um they'll probably still allude to the fact that they still own if not own and run the quick stop and rst that way to get around it is probably they just own it and now they're millionaires and not doing whatever and then you can have a cameo from dante in the movie, you know, early on or later on. But, um, yeah, it's a shame that we're not going to get any more Jeff. But, like I said, when he said no to our film, you know, I, I appreciate that. I'm glad we've got the movies that he's in. Well, that's it, isn't it? It's like, unfortunately, you can't get everybody, can you? So you have to be open to rejection but before you even ask the person, isn't it? Yeah. On a much, much smaller scale, when I'm trying to get guests onto like this podcast, I do almost preempt the fact that they're going to say no to me. Mm-hmm. And when they say yes, it's like, woohoo! <laughs> yeah. oh, I, know, I know how you feel. That's how we've been for the last couple of years getting people involved in this um but yeah absolutely with regards to that it's it's kind of strange being 
the person asking someone to do something like that. But yeah. he, he, one one thing to note about uh, Jeff actually is the good thing about leaving film industry is he leaves on a high because he's never made a bad movie. Yep. You got Clerks, you got Dogma, you got James and Bob Strikes Back, and then of course you've got Zack and Miri and Clerks too, and they're all great movies, very enjoyable, very funny yeah. uh, movies. So he he didn't even star in any anything bad. So he, he went over the top of the game, and then he gets to sort of have that as his party piece. Well, he's doing this. Literally gets a face full of shit from a uh, from a porn star as well. <laughs> In um, yeah. Zach and Mary, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that. Oh my god! In the cinema, I probably dislocated my jaw laughing at that because it was so unexpected. But he set it up without you even realizing what was going to happen. Yeah, it's kind of it's got that you know you're sort of like all of a sudden you start sort of thinking, oh, what's going to happen? You go. And then it like turns into like the biggest laughter ever, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> well, anyway. the argument as well. So you don't even think that you're gonna get the sort of PS. <laughs> but at least she wasn't constipated at the end. <laughs> it's an unusual happy ending when you're talking about porn star, but it is a happy ending, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I always want to end the podcast now, just so that we end on shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good start and a shit ending. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As you might call the episode that, if you don't mind. <laughs> that sounds like it would be a Scottish phrase of some description. A good start and a shit ending, yeah. <laughs> Something very Scottish about that. Uh, so my uncle and my dad describe every film they see. Oh, the good start and a shit ending. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's a good movie. Don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still, I'm still chuckling. Sorry, I've still got visuals of um, Jeff being covered in uh, in poo. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> anyway. I don't recall him getting covered in poo. I think he got covered in shit. Okay, yes, I was being I was being <laughs> delicately female, even though um even though I'd already said shit. <laughs> That's, you could still be female and delicate as you want, but it's shit, so go for it. It's right. shit. You got shit on right in the face. Yeah, shit, also, shit Gem, on the face. Yeah, <laughs> I think we're a bit late for a PG rating on this podcast. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I realise that. <laughs> so, Chris, where can people find you on, like, social media? Well, you can find me on Facebook. You just go to facebook.com forward slash shooting clerks, and that's where you get the shooting clerks page. That's the best place to go if you want any information on the film being final locked and then screenings and various other things. Um, we do have merch as well that we sell on our website. You just go to shootingclerks.com. Um, you can also request a screening. So what we're doing is we're just piling up the screenings in the locations from all the requests that we get through the website. So you can request a screening in your area and depending on how well the, uh, the votes go, we'll be able to go there. Then you can get me on Twitter at Uppy Downey. So it's just twitter.com forward slash Uppy. So it's U-P-P-I-E. D O W N I E. I love that. I love that Twitter handle. That's very clever. <laughs> so if you want any direct info, you can just you can just email uh, info at aldrikimedia.com. So that's A U L D Riki spelled the normal way and media spelled the normal way. Uh, and what is Aldi Riki Media? Aldrich, 
Audrey Media is the production company that we Oh, okay. <laughs> Probably should have asked that at the beginning then. <laughs> By the way, for anyone who isn't familiar with the word Reiki, R-E-E-K-I-E, because you said there the normal go. way, but, but maybe if, not everyone if, knows if that not word. Familiar with it, yeah, it's R-E-E-K-I-E. <laughs> but yeah, Reiki is the old name for Edinburgh, which is where I'm from. Ah, okay. Actually, I didn't know that. I didn't know that part. So uh, there you go. I've learned something. I've learned actually quite a lot in this episode. So actually, I'm really pleased that you've been on. So thank you very much for your time. Well, does that mean I can put that I've got some sort of teaching credit on my CV now? Absolutely. <laughs> as long as I can be taught, you know, put on my IMDb page that, you know, I've been taught by uh, by you. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, there we go. Fantastic. On my MD- IMDb, I'm just going to put, I was happy to be there, really. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, just just quickly before you go, Chris, I just want to thank you very much for making this film. I know it's meant a lot to me and a lot of the fandom of Kevin Smith and uh, the oh, whole Askewniverse. So thank you very much for making it. Oh, no, my pleasure. And as, like I always say, I did. I made it for you. And I don't mean that in a like, really pretentious way. I mean it like I made it for like-minded people to watch. So I did make it for you. I made it for the, the guys that watch the movie back and forth and want to see it in this sort of fictional setting. But it is 75% slash 80% accurate. So don't worry. Um, so, yeah, it means a lot to me when people come back and say that because that is the the key reason that we made the movie. So people could enjoy it. And thank you. Just really touching. I knew that. Aww. Thank you. And um, I'd like to put across: Can we have a uh, viewing in Southampton, please? And then we know some very, very good pubs that we can take you to straight after. Hey, sounds good. Absolutely. Just shoot me an email and remind me because my memory is terrible. Okay, <laughs> I'll keep. I'll keep sending it like weekly. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's fine. That's perfect. That's just like a really, really expensive awkward reminder and you know i'm inconveniencing inconveniencing inconvenience another word that means that um <laughs> but yeah please do it because like I said, memory is total dog shit yeah no that's understandable because you've got so much to think about so definitely oh, i just got a shit brain <laughs> to be perfectly honest with brain doesn't work that way works in other ways but not quite in remembering you know things like that it's really really pain in the ass <laughs> oh. oh well thank you and um well i mean you can hang around for a bit longer i've got to i've got to head off because yes um, i figured you probably did the kids so yeah asleep yes not being a little monkey and staying up oh well he's asleep the oldest one's asleep i'm just gonna make sure the youngest one is still asleep oh uh, okay <laughs> cool well, thanks for having me on it was an honor yeah, it was an honour to have you on. So there you go. We're both we're both pleased. <laughs> and thank God it it was much better than last time. Yeah, last time was all right. Oh yeah, apart from the uh, yeah, it was just all of the Skype glitches and everything like that. So. Yeah, yeah, that was a pain, but that's technology for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, thanks very much, guys. I'll speak to you soon. Yeah, speak to you soon. Bye. Good, have a good Bye. Bye. Oh, wasn't he lovely? Uh, lovely indeed. Uh, yeah, it was really nice. I mean, I was very lucky when we went to the screening. Uh, I think it has to have been because Ben had done all the, um, he'd, he'd been showing out the films since the very early days. I done a wonderful job. But me and him were sort of on the VIP list. So I got to go into the road just behind all the actors and the producers and everything, behind him and behind uh, Mark Frost, who was the, uh, who was Kevin Smith in the film. Okay. And uh, it was oh, it was just so lovely. As I say, the the guy who played Moshe, who's um, Harry Mitchell, 
I got chained to in the queue on the way in, funnily enough, and I got chained to him a bit. So it, it was just a really wonderful night. So uh, to be able to have a chat with him again is absolutely super for me. Oh, well, I'm glad that I invited you on as well then. Because, um, yeah, because definitely. it definitely was good to have you on the show with me. So thank you very much for being co-host because, you, like I said, you'd seen the film as well. So you asked the questions that I I would have probably have got round to. But uh, at the same time, it was kind of... Yeah, it was very helpful, is what I'm trying to say. I'm not very good at, like, portraying my words, but uh, kindness is being sent your way, mister. <laughs> I, I just don't think you're used to being this nice to me. It's throwing you off. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> Normally we would have had the fight by now, wouldn't we? <laughs> I, I won't say fight, but, like, we would have been bitchy, you know, and joke. I like to think in joking format, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just don't tell you what to say, Yeah. <laughs> Oh, geez, did, did, let's not go there. Anyway, I, no. I just I hope I didn't jump over you at any point. No, 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 absolutely not. Make not it sound like I was paying attention. <laughs> yeah, I was, no, I, I was just yeah, no, you absolutely didn't. Not at all. and yeah, I, I just you know there was times when I was thinking, oh, Ian hasn't said anything for a while. So I invite you know bring him back in. <laughs> so. And by the way, if I can, are we still? Is this going out on the show? This bit? Ah, uh, yeah, probably depending on what it's like, but yeah. Are well, this are this bit this, still being recorded? Yes. Okay. Well, if this bit does go in the show, I'd just like to give a quick shout out because uh, Chris Bain, who plays Muse in those films, yeah. or in sorry in that film and also in the shorts, he is also in this web series called Cops and Monsters by a friend of mine, uh, Fraser Cool. Okay. And it it's it's really fun. It's now on Amazon Prime, but you can also well, I think you you might only be able to get it on Amazon Prime now, but it used to be on YouTube. So uh, if you have one of those and you want to check it out, please do. Uh, they've got a group on Facebook. It's a really fun. Um, it's like uh, it's got vampires versus werewolves. Oh, wow. And got the cops in the middle of it all. And it's really fun. It's really a, a good show, good time. It's got a couple of actors from Doc 2 in it, which is how I got sort of to know about it. Uh, it's really great. Yeah, please do check it out. And Chris Bain's in it, as I say, who, who plays music. And once again, what was that called again? Cops and Monsters. Cops and Monsters. Okay, brilliant. Well, I think I might actually check that out now. <laughs> yeah, it's good. And it, the, the fun thing is because uh, there's one series at the moment, they're now shooting series two, which I believe is also going up on Amazon. But uh, the first series, because they were sort of funding it as they went, they're kind of short episodes, so you could probably knock the whole thing out in an hour or two. Mm. So you can watch the whole first series in like an hour or so. So it's it's worth checking out, and it, it is really good fun. I think it's only going to be better in the second series, but the first series was great. Oh, brilliant. Okay, well, um, I'm going to go then, and I'm going to go and check that out. <laughs> brilliant. Well, thank you for inviting me to talk some Codswallop with you. No problem. And thank you. I think we've been talking enough Codswallop. <laughs> I haven't well, said that for cod, a while, actually. Codswallop for your American listeners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, they can say it however they wish, as long as they uh, follow me on Twitter. <laughs> and where would they do that, pray tell, Jim? Yeah. Well, they would do that at the new Twitter handle, which is at T Codswallop, which is T for Tommy. <laughs> C-O-D-S-W-A-L-L-O-P. And then it's pod as well. So that's all one word. Because I wanted to see if I could take up as many characters as possible. <laughs> yeah, well, now now it doesn't count your character count. It doesn't take away from your message. Oh, doesn't it? No, they already did that update so that that didn't count any counts count. I know they double the amount of uh, characters you get anyway. So you can yeah. write 
Yeah, I mean, you can write shit down now and there. Oh, brilliant. Because yeah, I knew that it'd gone up to um, like something like 140 characters, but I thought that the... Well, it's 280 now. It was 144. Oh, okay. Oh, even better than... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh god i have to i have to leave this podcast now because i'm learning far too much today i'm not going to be able to right. sleep because my brain's going to be overflowing <laughs> Jim, let me explain twitter to you even though you're using it <laughs> <laughs> oh but i use it but i don't think about what i'm doing <laughs> and this is one step away from um jay in uh that film going what the fuck's the internet yeah <laughs> movie poop shot yeah movie poop shoot dot com <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> right well i'm gonna sign off now and i'm waving goodbye for no reason because you can't see me but okay that's helpful yeah <laughs> bye <laughs> i right, speak to you soon thank yes. you speak to you soon bye <laughs>